Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. And again, we have, uh, we've got an election happening here. we got a caucus actually in two days on the 20th. And joining us now is Joe Lane, who is running to take over the second congressional district. Joe, how you doing, ma'am? Good, good. It's been a busy, busy week. Uh, a busy couple of weeks with everything that's happened. Yeah, this is, um, I think we're up to 14 people. I think it was the latest numbers that I heard. I didn't even know <laughs> Four, that. 14. Yesterday was 12. I think the day before that it was 10. And then before that it was like five. Wow. So um, this is fast and furious with a five-day, basically a five-day race, as, as most people waited until after the funerals. But um, so, I mean, Joe, just why don't you just quickly introduce yourself to the audience and to the precinct captains who might be listening right now. You know, who are you? Why did you get into this race? And, and what do you think you can do for Hoosiers? Uh Joe Lane, uh, born and raised St. Joe County, raised my family here. I have grandkids here. Um, why I got in was I normally, I'm a precinct person myself, and I normally would, what I was doing was actually looking for who I wanted to support, who I wanted to get behind. There was a couple of people I was really excited about seeing step in. They're unfortunately not available. Um, a couple of them are on the ballot. And, uh, and so I thought, well, let's, let's see who else is going to step in. So I waited to the very last minute, and some of them I didn't know, so I began to call the other precinct people and other elected officials and ask around about these people and get to know, because this is a key, key position. Uh, who we send to D.C. is vitally important. So I, was, I had my picks. They weren't available. They didn't work out. And then I looked at who was, and I just was not comfortable. Um, that seemed to be a common sentiment to everyone I talked to almost, well, pretty much to a person. A couple who are in the camps uh, obviously supported their people, but even in there, I was finding weak support. It was more practical support. It was, well, this is who we think can win. We don't want that anymore. The, the, the people of the second district, the people of America do not want that anymore. I don't want anymore. So I said, uh, I, I called, because I run a business. I have a business. I travel nationwide. I have to put that all aside, and I have to put it all at risk. Uh, if I am successful here, but I'm prepared to do that because what I've accomplished or accumulated as a businessman, I cannot take with me. It's only what we can leave behind. And I have extended, all of my family lives here. And uh, what we, what I want to see them inherit is better than what we inherited. And the, ra- the route we're going, it's going to be far worse than what we inherited. So I'm prepared to sacrifice that. I had no plans of getting into politics. I got in early in my early 20s. I'm 54 now, so that dates me. Um, Jackie and I used to campaign together when she first got in. I supported Jackie throughout her entire career. Um, Dean's a terrific man, and and we, I consider them personal friends. Uh, so it was very upsetting to see that change and that loss uh, that's been created. Uh, but we have to deal with it, and we have to deal with it right because whoever wins this election Saturday will win in November and whoever wins in November is going to be seated there for a minute. And if we don't get the right person in, we're going to be stuck with whoever's in there. And there are some good people out there, but they're good in their position. And I'm not saying I'm the best choice. I'm the best person out there for this, but we have got to quit sending professional politicians to DC career people who have been uh, molded and coached and, and prepared and things for these jobs because that is the problem. We're getting hamstrung. We're getting 
drug out or getting misled and not served well with many of the representatives we're sending to D.C. So we need people out of, out of the population. We need people that have worked and built and created. We build buildings around the country, high-rises, very complicated stuff. Um, and I cannot tell you how much it impacts us, the decisions that are made in D.C., I don't think a lot of people really truly realize that business people do, mm-hmm. you know, it, most people who are, you know, they're, they go to work every day. They work for somebody else. They kind of see it later down the line. Businesses see it very quickly. And I think that's why I usually find business people are, are kind of active yeah. politically. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a good chunk of the the media and things like that. They'd be like, well, that's just because it's lobbying. No, it's, it's because it hits them first and then it hits their employees and then it hits the rest of the economy. So let's just say, you know, Joe Lane, quick turnaround again, five days. You know, this is an opportunity. I think a lot of people have seen that I got five days to plead my case. I might have a shot here. Um, and and as you've pointed out, you know, there's a good chance that whoever gets this, even if they're not a household name, could very well win in November and be in, in Congress for, yeah. for a couple of years. So if you if you get through this caucus in a couple of days and you're the guy and you win in November, what does Joe Lane do when he gets to Washington, D.C.? What are some of your priorities as a congressman? Well, I think uh, with being Congress's duties, a lot of it is the purse. So I think the immediate, there's immediate and there's long-term solutions. The immediate solution is to, is to defund the, uh, the uh, institutions that are creating the problems out of D.C. All the power has concentrated in D.C. So we can control the purse. There should be a, ma- a Republican majority. And we, we need to use that in order to defund all of the assault that's been taking place. Uh, defend the wild, defund the wild spending. So that's the immediate sort of thing. Long term, we need to reorganize, maybe relocate some of these out of D.C., um, change their structure, uh, definitely shrink them. Um, some of them need to be gone away with. Um, they simply don't serve a purpose uh, other than to be a burden on the nation. you have any of those in mind? Department of Education. Okay. It needs to be controlled on the state and local level. There is no reason for Jimmy Carter to have created that department other than for more control of the local level. Well, it certainly hasn't improved anything. All of the research shows that the test scores have not gone up. Um, the academic achievement has not gone up. And, and let's looking at collegiate academics and things like that, it's actually gone down. So hasn't been real successful there. So that's a good point. You're the, I, I don't remember who it was, but I remember... Gosh, I don't know, it was like eight, nine years ago. Somebody else who was involved in politics, and I just, I can't remember who it was, had talked about moving bureaucracies out of D.C. and getting them out of the swamp so they were connected. Like, in particular, the Department of Agriculture mm-hmm. has no business being in Washington, right, D.C. Right. at all. Right. Um, you know, even the pest control side of it doesn't <laughs> make any sense being there. But actually putting, putting those particular bureaucracies in the parts of the country where they're actually focused, mm-hmm. and you're the second person I've heard say that. What brought you to that that kind of a mindset? Well, I've been to D.C., and D.C. has grown outside its boundaries. It's the wealthiest part of the country for a reason, and it's not a good reason. Our tax dollars are pumping into that location and just being used against us to, to even pump us more and establish more control. Um, that's, that's the wrong direction. We shouldn't be concentrating so much power where so little, so few people have such great influence. It's, it's, it's why we have um, 
the Electoral College is to prevent the concentration of power into heavily populated areas. And then the average American has no, no longer would have say. And we're getting to that point. Yeah, Washington, D.C. is also the most liberal part of the country. It's far more liberal than L.A., New York, San Francisco, believe it or not. Uh, I go over that data every single year, and people are shocked by that. So, um, all right, what, what about, let's get away from the spending thing for just a minute. I think you've made your, your points and your case there. What about some of the other things that we're seeing happening? And we've had, you know, the, the road decision. That's going to be something that the next congressperson has to deal with. Um, FBI type stuff is something that they're going to have to deal with. You know, these other bureaucracies. You know, what are your positions on some of those issues that are hot button issues right now? Um, well, on the road decision, I think it's been a, it, we've made tremendous advancements there. I like the idea that it would go back to the states because I'm a real big states guy, de- decentralizing power. So I think that's headed in the right direction. So um, there's been some real positive moves there. Well, the things like the FBI, the FBI is one of numerous departments, but one in particular that's disappointing. I've always said, yeah, the leadership's bad. We need to change the leadership. It's always been my position, but I'm changing that at this. I mean, I'm beginning to change that and I probably have changed. I don't think you're alone in that. I think that a lot of people on the right have kind of been in that position. It's, it's been a tool like a lot of our universities that's been usurped to use against political enemies. Uh, to promote political agendas. And they're not patriotic American agendas. They're leftist, communist, socialist agendas. And that's, just, and that's the, I think that's the one, one of the things that I want to see out of my representatives is bold difference in colors and options, not this middle ground compromising, giving ground and we'll fight another day. We, we don't want to look too extreme. We don't want to be that guy. It, uh, there's, I use, a phrase, I, I use an example of there's, there's peacetime generals and there's wartime generals. Whether the American people as a whole agree with me or not, the left has been at war with America. And we need wartime generals to get in there and fight and be bold. Now, maybe they won't be so good after the war is over, after everything is. And, and I see that coming. I see a shift in America. There's hard times coming. I think it's baked in but I see good times following it with the right response. All right, Joe Lane, how can people learn more about you? Uh, well, the precinct committee people, we've sent out some flyers. I'm having an open house at my home tomorrow between four and eight. This is the best way. I prefer conversations in person and business and in, and in this type of environment. Uh, I live directly across from Potato Creek State Park, so I'm easy to find, and they are all invited to come and converse with me there. And if you haven't received the emails, uh, St. Joseph County GOP has been sending out these flyers and your information, the emails and things like that for, for all of the candidates. So you can always reach out to the St. Joseph County GOP as well and get any information on any events or anything that you're doing to introduce yourself to the, uh, the Hoosier State. Yeah, I'd like to have 525 of my closest friends, or 552 of my closest <laughs> friends. <over. laughs> there you go. Joe Lane, thank you so much for the time, man. Appreciate it. Best thank of you. luck. All right. You have a good day. All right. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.